Follow Katie Wolf and 360 online at mix1049.com.au. Yesterday, the government announced three suburbs across metropolitan Melbourne as COVID-19 hotspots and revoked 10 suburbs which had been declared hotspots uh, on the 4th of February. It does follow on, of course, from an authorised officer at a hotel quarantine facility in Melbourne returning a positive COVID-19 test. Now, joining me on the show to talk more about this and plenty of other things is the Minister for Health, Natasha Files. Good morning. Morning, Katie. Good morning, listeners. Now, Minister, can you just uh, talk us through this hotspot, the latest hotspot declaration? Thanks, Katie. So we acted quickly. Uh, we always have acted quickly to declare those hotspots when cases first emerge. Uh, and so yesterday you saw a change uh, based on the advice of the Chief Health Officer where we removed those 10 suburbs that were declared, declared last week as hotspots. But we did place three new suburbs in the Victorian Melbourne metropolitan area as hotspots. So Maidstone, Sunshine and Taylor's Lake. Uh, and this follows um, that uh, security or border um, official in one of their hotel quarantines testing positive to the virus. And that's based on the evidence from the contact tracing in Victoria. OK, so I guess at the moment all eyes... Well, I suppose most of us have become uh, quite aware that if you travel now, there is always that chance that a location could be declared a hotspot and your travel plans may be thrown up in the air. Um, and as a result, all eyes are certainly on the rollout of the COVID vaccine. How is that rollout going to happen in the Territory? So, Katie, we're working really closely with the federal government um, on our plans to deliver the first stage of the COVID-19 vaccine in the coming weeks. I spoke to the federal health minister again yesterday afternoon. He's confident that the vaccine will arrive in Australia um, in just a couple of weeks' time in that last week of February, and then it will come through to the Northern Territory. The first cohort of Territorians that will be vaccinated will be those quarantine and border workers, those frontline health workers, along with aged care workers and aged care residents and disability care workers and residents. And I think Territorians can understand why those um, Territorians would be on that first tranche list. And what date do you expect that to happen? So I spoke to the Minister yesterday. He's confident that we will see the vaccine in Australia in that last week of February uh, and then it will come through to the Territory. Um, we're working on our plan not only for the first tranche and getting people um, vaccinated, but right across the Northern Territory. We've seen the Pfizer vaccine approved by the TGA in Australia. Um, there is, um, we're hopeful that the AstraZeneca vaccine will also be approved by the TGA, but our plans are based around that approved Pfizer vaccine, the doses that we will receive from the Commonwealth Government, and we'll provide more information to Territorians in the coming week around the rollout right across the Northern Territory. A relatively small population, but spread over a big geographical area, as we know. Is it going to be compulsory? So the vaccine won't be compulsory, Katie, but Territorians um, will be expected, I believe, when they engage in different activities to show that they've been vaccinated and will work so the community understands um, the vaccine and, and that it has been approved by the TGA uh, and so that it is safe for them to receive that vaccine. OK, let's move along because we have had a few questions around the BDR after the Liquor Commission met in Tennant Creek last week. Um, just firstly, have the numbers for the BDR been updated yet on the website? Katie, I understand that they have been updated and I again apologise to Territorians around that IT issue between the two databases, stopping that merge from happening. But we know that at the uh, end of December, 3,617 people were on the BDR and the most common reason was a police ban. But so um, the thing is with that website though, was it not working for like six months? So the... Um, 
BDR itself was working, so those point-of-sale transactions were either going through or being declined. What happened was we had an interface between two government systems that was not allowing for the data to merge properly. Health were manually checking that, and yes, the data wasn't uploaded for uh, around six months. Is that acceptable to you? No, it's not acceptable, Katie. I think people uh, largely accept the banned drinker register, that it's a simple point-of-sale intervention that stops people that are banned and cause harm with alcohol from purchasing it. But they have a right to see that information. And the type of information, Katie, that people um, might not have looked at the website and not be, might not be familiar, but it talks about um, the number of people on the BDR, um, the number of point-of-sale transactions, and the number that were refused. So people do have the right to see that information. So again, I apologise. Now, as I mentioned, earlier, um, Hospitality NT are really concerned about the changes that you're looking to roll out in Tennant Creek. Take a listen to what Alex Bruce had to say last week. The BDR stats that got presented yesterday show 99.9% of people are getting a green screen legal sale. So you can reasonably suppose that that will be the level of compliance with this if it comes into pubs and clubs. And yesterday it was not made clear whether it's at the door with wristbands or if it's every transaction and we're about to see the death of shouting your mates around the beers. So Minister, if 99% of people are indeed doing the right thing when it comes to the BDR, but Tennant Creek is still obviously having alcohol issues. Is expanding the BDR really the answer here? So Katie, there's two points to make. It is different to correlate a takeaway sale. So people know they're banned and they can't go and purchase that alcohol. You do see a very small number that still try and purchase and that's where you get those refused sales. In terms of Tennant Creek, the Liquor Commission noted the extraordinarily high levels of consumption in the Barclay region, which is associated and correlates with an extraordinarily high level of alcohol-related harm, which has a huge impact on that small community. So the Liquor Commission, as we know, was in Tennant Creek last week, listening to the community, listening to representatives from licensees, along with police and other officials, around what measures could be put in place to protect that small community. Can I just ask, around um, intoxication, whether you're talking about Tennant Creek, Alice Springs, or indeed here in Darwin... Um, If somebody is picked up for public intoxication and they're on the BDR, um, are they taken to the watch house or are they taken to a sobering up shelter? So, Katie, if somebody is picked up um, because they are intoxicated, it would depend on whether they have allegedly committed a crime, so whether they would go to the watch house or whether um, it is for their own safety and they would go out to the sobering up shelter. We've co-located, as you know, the sobering up shelter, the detox and the rehabilitation to try and have stronger pathways. And we've also worked with Larrakia Nation to make sure that there is additional resources out in the community um, taking people that have drunk too much into those supports so that we're not tying up police resources. But these are very complex issues. All right. We have been given some information to say that a number of people who end up at the Watch House are on the BDR. Um, Many of them end up at the Watch House more than once a week. So I'm just trying to, I guess, get to the bottom of if we have got somebody who's a problem drinker, they end up in the Watch House and they're on the BDR and, you know, that's happening more than once. Are they referred to a, a program, uh, some kind of rehabilitation program, to really try to sort out their alcohol issues? So we very much have those rehabilitations and those supports in place, and that was part of having the co-location of detox into rehabilitation. It is complex. If somebody is in the watch house, it's, are they charged with an offence? Um, what is that offence? Um, certainly if they go before the courts, um, it would be noted that they're on the BDR and they're intoxicated. How did they get that alcohol, etc.? So I can't comment, you know, there would be different variables for each case, but we certainly 
continue to work, as I said, and put those resources in place and also work with police so we can try and make their job easier, whether it's, you know, people that should be going to the sobering up shelters and not interacting with police or if they come into those police contacts, how can we support police? Do we have any idea in terms of numbers how many people have gone through uh, a rehab program, you know, who are on the BDR? Katie, I'd have, I don't have those numbers in front of me. I know that there's certainly numbers around people that have gone through rehabilitation, whether it's broken down for people that are on the BDR. Noting that people will go onto the band drinker register for a period of time, they'll come off the band drinker register and they could go back on the band drinker register. And we've got those four pathways to the BDR um, through the courts, whether police refer them for offences or whether they self-referral or if a clinician refers them. So it is complex, but I'd be happy to investigate and get you some more information on that. Yeah, we'd be keen to find out. Um, I guess, you know, what I'm getting to is is trying to work out when there is that level of public intoxication or people who are breaking the law in different ways when they are intoxicated and on the BDR, um, you know, if they're then actually going through rehab in an effort to try to help them or whether they are just sort of going in and out of that sobering up shelter or in and out of the watch house and ending up back on the street. Katie, it is complex. The BDR, it stops you know, people that uh, cause harm, get intoxicated and then cause harm in the community. You know, for example, in December, um, there was transactions declined and that's stopping the supply of alcohol to people that cause that harm. But there's no one solution that will stop this. You've got to have a multitude of solutions in place and that's what we do have. And we also need to be agile and continue to respond and we'll continue to look at the evidence that's before us. All right. I have had a question come through from one of our listeners who must be a business owner who has said that in the city, for example, there are people who have been taken away by the police and they understand they're on the BDR, but then they are brought back into the city uh, the following day because they've got no else to go. Um, I mean, is that really a situation that we want? If somebody is publicly intoxicated in the city, for example, as we've just heard, um, do we want them then sort of spending the night in the watch house or spending the night in the sobering up shelter, but then ultimately ending up back in the city where they were before and doing the same thing? Katie, we know that homelessness, and we also know homelessness in the Northern Territory is very unique in the sense that if you um, ask somebody that's sleeping rough where they think they'll be in 12 months, they often say that they'll be um, somewhere else. Whereas interstate, they can't see themselves moving from that homelessness situation. So uh, people come into town to, to do business. They might have a period in their life where they sleep rough. And so we have to make sure that we're not criminalising um, certain behaviours. But at the same time, it is unacceptable for people in the community to see people drinking. It, it is unacceptable for people that are drunk to, to be causing that antisocial behaviour. And so making sure that there is shelters available and making sure that there's those resources for people if they do wish to sober up and detox. That, that it is there. Well, and that's the thing. I guess, you know, the essence of that uh, of that question really is, um, you know, is it appropriate if somebody has indeed been publicly intoxicated in the city one day to then drop them back there again the next day so they can do it all over again? Katie, it's a tricky question. We want to make those pathways as easy as possible and that's why that co-location of the sobering up shelter into the detox and the rehab is important. But if they haven't broken the law, it's difficult. And we know with with treatment for alcohol addiction that it takes time. It takes um, many, uh, the evidence shows that many attempts to rehabilitate, um, but it's something that we have to support those that have an alcohol addiction with uh, so that we can hopefully at some point they can, you know, become clean and, and not have a problem with alcohol. All right, Minister, when are we going to find out if indeed the BDR is going to be uh, rolled out further in Tennant Creek and are you looking at rolling it out further around the rest of the Territory?
So the question around Tennant Creek would be for the Liquor Commission when they would hand down there for findings, and that's been proposed. Um, and we certainly saw the evidence from the community around what their thoughts were. We don't have a government policy setting of intending to roll out the BDR on-premise in the Northern Territory. But is there anything stopping, um, you know, is there anything realistically stopping the Commission from looking at rolling it out further around the Territory? So the Commission were in Tennant Creek. They heard from the community, they heard from licensees and they heard from police and other emergency workers who deal with the harm of alcohol. The licensing um, director was there in Tennant Creek. He certainly um, works hard with licensees so they can uphold their licence conditions, but tries to make sure that it's at least burden as possible on business. So those are the issues that will be worked through and the Independent Liquid Commission will make a decision. But so there's nothing, realistically, there's nothing stopping the Independent Liquor Commission from potentially looking at doing this in other parts of the Territory? So the, the Tennant Creek situation was those, um, as I pointed to earlier, the high rates of alcohol consumption and the high rates of alcohol fueled violence and, and crime and offences in that community, and that's why they did that work there. But as I said, it is not the government's policy intention to roll the BDR out on premise across the Northern Territory. But it is for Tennant Creek, potentially? It has been a suggestion from the Liquor Commission and they've been on the ground listening to the community around what their thoughts would be. All right, Minister, I do just want to ask you about very quickly, uh, it is being reported online by the ABC Alice Springs that there's going to be no live Parjama events for the mall. Uh, Parjama organisers have scrapped all of those live performance events in Alice Springs' Todd Mall at this year's event. It's being said on the ABC online because of safety concerns. Uh, as we know, a car was driven through the Todd Mall during a live performance at last year's festival. Um, uh, Minister, this is a pretty bad situation that we're in if we're not able to have a live event in the mall uh, because of safety concerns. So, Katie, um, the event last year, my understand, around COVID was at that one location. They had intended to roll out some features in the mall. Uh, I don't have that detail. I will continue to work with Northern Territory major events on the rollout. Um, if there's measures that, that we can put in place um, that would see the event come into the mall, uh, that would be great. But Parchmer is a spectacular event of, of lights and sounds and acknowledging the culture of the oldest living um, culture uh, you know, on earth against that backdrop of the McDonald Ranges. It's simply spectacular and the main feature is always out at the desert park. So, Minister, is it, is the, are the live events in the mall scrapped due to safety concerns with COVID or, dra- or scrapped due to safety concerns with crime? So, Katie, I'm going to have to get some clarification for you on NT major events around what their intentions were. They last year had hoped to roll out the event in both the mall and uh, out at the Desert Park. Um, They did at the last minute shift out to the Desert Park itself. Um, This year, I know they have talked about both locations. I'll need to speak with them around the finalisation of where the event will be, if it will only be at the Desert Park or if they will be events in the mall. I mean, if this has been scrapped from the mall due to safety concerns around crime, you must be pretty worried about that as a tourism minister. Katie, we know that the issue of crime and antisocial behaviour in Alice Springs is a very real issue. There's no denying that. Um, and I spoke last week on your show around the work that across government and particularly Chancey Pake is the minister that lives in Alice Springs is taking in that leadership. Uh, and we certainly are not denying that, that crime isn't an issue. Uh, in relation to your specific questions, I've said I'll seek some advice from major events.
All right, I'm going to leave it there. We won't talk crime again with you, Minister, because we did on Friday. We spoke to the Chief Minister about it yesterday. We're going to continue that discussion in a moment, though, with Robin Lamley. I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for having a chat with us. Thank you. Thank you. That is the uh, Minister for Health there and also the Minister for Tourism, Natasha Files. Now, as I just said, it has uh, just been... uh, Well, someone has just sent this to us that ABC Alice Springs are reporting that there'll be no live Parjama events for the mall. The organisers have scrapped all of those live performance events in Alice Springs Todd Mall at this year's event because of safety concerns is what's being reported. Uh, It goes on to say a car was driven through the Todd Mall during a live performance at last year's festival. Um, Now it is being reported here that NT Major Events Director of Engagement and Culture Paul Archie told the ABC that he hopes live events will be able to return to the mall as part of the event in the future. 